Good morning. Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. My name is Bruce, and I'm on staff as the associate pastor here. And uh, as you heard, I'm, I'm filling in for Josh, and I'm actually really looking forward to sharing a new message series with a few other guys um, that go to our church. And so over the next six weeks, you'll, you'll get a chance to hear from a few different um, men that have proven themselves and, and really have a lot of good things to say. So it'll be fun just to kind of get um, a different flavor of, of preaching and just um, just hearing from different guys. And we actually, the, the three of us have collaborated on the message series together with Josh ahead of time and um, some of our other leaders. And so it's, it's been fun just putting this together. And so I, I'm hoping it's a real benefit to you. Um, I was uh, talking with Josh, you know, this past week as he's, you know, he's kind of wrapping up some things in the office and um, looking forward to this trip, you know, this break, of course. And you know, the, the plan essentially was for him to not be here at all and just to, to get the break. But, he, you know, before he left, he was saying, like, you know, would it be too awkward if I, you know, was there on Sunday? He was like, this is my church family, and it'll, be, it'll feel really unusual for me to not be here because just he was basically expressing how much he loves all the people here, and it'll just feel unnatural in some sense, even though the break will be great. I know that he'll miss being here and, and spending time together. So, um, but anyways, I, I'm looking forward that, that him and his family will get a break. Um, so, if you think of it, by the way, over the next few weeks, um, just lift him up and Erica and, and their kids in prayer, just that they would be able to get that refreshment that they need. And um, we really do want him to be healthy enough to lead us strong through the next seven years. And um, you can even send him a note of encouragement, an email, or, or a note in their mailbox or anything like that. I'm sure it, it would go a long way. So, I'd like to pray for them and then pray for this series together. So, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this morning and um, just... The, the men that have uh, decided to step up to, to preach through the next few weeks, I pray that you would um, guide the content um, in the way that we've prepared it and pray that you would really speak um, in a way that would encourage the body and uh, allow people to draw closer to you. Pray for Josh and Erica and their kids that they would truly be refreshed and, and actually be able to connect with you, Lord, over the next few weeks in a way that helps them to reflect over the past and really get some clear focus for the future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, this new message series that we're starting is, uh, as Scott mentioned, we're going to be going through uh, 1 Corinthians 13, and it's called Love in High Definition. To start us off, take a look at this next picture. Uh, this is standard definition. This is a picture in standard definition. Uh, the next picture is high definition. So you can see it's a little more vibrant there. Here's the contrast between the two. There's some more clarity, uh, a little more color there. Go to the next picture again. So there's normal TV on the left, and depending on, on how good you can see the projector screen, that on the right, high definition looks quite significantly better. Um, you can really see the detail in the cleats and just like the grass flying off the ground and all the color there. And so there's, there's a clear difference. But the funny thing about high definition is if all you've ever seen was standard definition, then you don't really know what you're missing. Um, and so... So that's kind of, you know, the angle that we're using for this. And uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to get into the Bible and kind of explore the highest definition of love. Because love is, is the core thing that makes relationships work. And relationships are really the thing that make life really enjoyable or miserable. It could actually go either way, depending on, on how, you know, how your relationships are doing. So our family relationships, uh, friendships... Um, dating relationships, they can actually kind of be compared to TV sets in some ways, you know, going with this analogy, because um, conflict in relationships creates a lot of static. 
Um, just like uh, reception, I don't know if you ever had a TV with like the bunny ears and you like try to wrap foil around them and try, try to get a good picture. If there's, if there's a lot of static there, you can't see the picture. And it's really not actually that enjoyable to watch TV at all in that condition. And, uh, you know, conflict in relationships really make it a struggle to enjoy your relationships. So um, sometimes the, you know, relationships can be kind of fuzzy and unclear from uh, maybe hidden agendas or expectations on the relationship. Just like, you know, TV can be really unclear. And so um, it's hard to really know where you're at in a relationship sometimes based on what's going on. And so all of, all of these things can really cause us a lot of pain in our relationships. And uh, if this is what you're experiencing in friendships and family relationships, life really can be miserable, unfortunately. And uh, if that's the case, we kind of end up disappointed in life and just with, with the state of where things are at. Um, and sometimes, you know, if our relationships are in that condition, we feel really alone. Even if you're in a room full of people, you know, you could be here or you could be like in some sort of family gathering or even at work, you could feel alone and isolated. And the people that you relate to, the relationships could be really hollow. Um, You could be interacting and, you know, on the surface you're talking or whatever, but underneath there's not really any substance to the relationship. And that's kind of what happens over time. And and really all the relationships do experience trouble like this at at some point to some degree. Um, And so if we learn to, to live out you know, relationships with um, love as the backbone, the way that Jesus defines love, then the relationships can dramatically improve. And God really wants to help us uh, to live the best life possible in, by having healthy relationships in this way. And uh, he's, he's been clear from cover to cover that um, love is the most important thing to him. And so this is a verse, um, that this is what he said in one of the letters written to one of the first churches in Galatians 5, 6. As far as our relationship to Christ Jesus is concerned, what matters is a faith that expresses itself through love. And so, um, you know, we're taking a look at some of these, this, this passage in the Bible, and we're going to discover that faith is really a key part of learning to love people the way that God loves people. And uh, as we go forward, I, you know, I just, I, I have to say that love is probably one of the most overused words in the English language. It could be, I mean, I, I don't know statistically, but... I mean, you may have said it today in reference to, like, coffee or other things that you've done. Like, uh, you know, and you could say, I could say in one, you know, in one uh, conversation that I really love my wife and I love Dr. Pepper. Or, you know, I, man, I just, I have a really, I love my kids so much. And I love cats. So, you know, there's a lot of nuance to the word. And, like, depending on what the words around it, it can mean different things. And so this one word, love, has, has kind of many definitions and so if you choose the right definition of love, that's what kind of determines whether your relationships will grow or whether, whether they will wither. Um, from Merriam-Webster, uh, we, we have a few different definitions because there is a wide variety here. Uh, one definition is that it's a strong affection for another arising out of kinship or personal ties, just the, the personal way that you relate to people or maybe family relationships. Um, it could also be, number two, attraction based on sexual desire. Um, number three, affection based on admiration or common interest. That you like to do similar things. So you can notice um, that, if you go back one more, there, that there's like kind of a theme there with affection, attraction, um, just kind of forming the basis of that definition. Um, if, if this is the basis for love, it actually makes relationships kind of vulnerable and really fragile because uh, affection and attraction, you know, comes in and out. And so if this is the basis, then your relationships could... Are, are, are in a lot of trouble. Uh, another definition is warm enthusiasm uh, or devotion to someone or something. Uh, it could be a beloved person 
That's another definition, uh, like a noun. Like, could you get me another cup of tea, love? So, I mean, just, I, I don't know. I was trying to figure out how to express that idea. <laughs> um, another definition, unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for the good of another. That's actually not bad. Um, so there, there's kind of a spread of definitions there. And again, picking the right definition is, is kind of the con- critical component uh, of having relationships that are healthy and that last. And so your definition of love determines your approach to relationships and impacts whether they'll thrive or not. So what's the best definition of love? Uh, it's kind of like a pop quiz. Um, so you're putting them, put them all up on the screen there. Um, and just kind of, you know, which one would you mark or which one do you have the most experience with? If you picked uh, the one on the bottom left there, Number three, affection based on admiration or common interests, which is kind of a, a way that relationships start a lot is through common interests. Uh, but basically, nobody's perfect. And so when the person you admire does something that's less than admirable, then the friendship is going to be in trouble. And then if you don't feel the love, uh, you worry about the relationship. Uh, if you picked another definition, strong affection for another arising out of kinship or personal ties, uh, if, that, if that's the fa- um, you know, some at times... The personal ties that you have with people can deteriorate, or maybe you're, you're interacting with someone based on you know living near each other. If you move away, different things can happen to, to cause that affection to, to deteriorate, and so that's not going to be a very good foundation for relationships. Uh, if you pick attraction based on sexual desire, of course we you know we grow and over time become less desirable, and then if someone comes along that is more desirable, then that is going if like if this is the foundation for a marriage, then that marriage is going to be in trouble too. So if you have the wrong definition of love, it's kind of like watching TV in standard definition. You know, life could be a whole lot better if you switch to high definition. Um, So Jesus demonstrated the highest kind of love, and he laid down his life for us. Uh, This is really sacrificial love, and and this is the highest definition right here. 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Uh, and then again, the most famous verse in, uh, that, in the Bible that describes uh, how Jesus uh, is demonstrating God's love for us is John 3.16. This, of course, is the verse that you probably know. You may have memorized it. People hold this up at, at um, ball games. But, you know, people hold that in signs or paint it on things or bumper stickers. And um, Christians hold this verse up as, um, you know, it's kind of, and rightly so, because it, it expresses the core message of Christianity really concisely. Uh, this first part, for God so loved the world, we know that God is loved because he first loved us. And, and he's really the reason that love exists in the first place. Um, he made the world and put people in it so that we could have a relationship with each other based on love. And he loved us by giving us the world to enjoy, and, and he wants us to manage it. And he wants us to get the most out of the life through these relationships. Um, next, he gave his only son. <clears throat> He, God gave his son because instead of living God's way, what we've done instead is we've turned away. And we kind of, you know, we all go out and start life living in the way that we think is best, just kind of doing what we want to do. And uh, we live in, independently of God. And the fact that Jesus gave his son really is love in high definition. Because even when we've, you know, we live in rebellion or, or go against God, he still shows love towards us in such an extreme way. And our choice to rebel really separates us from God spiritually, and it creates a debt that we have towards God. And so God's Son, you know, has come to fill that debt and, and to be our substitute and to pay that debt for us. And the next part of the verse is that whoever believes in him 
So when we believe in Jesus and believe that he died in our place and rose again from the dead, uh, and basically that involves turning from our own way and the way that we think life should be done or the way that we should do things, and we decide to turn and do it the way that God has um, described and written about, um, what happens is we should not perish but have eternal life. And so our eternal destiny changes based on uh, us putting our faith in Christ and, and trusting him with our life. Because of God's sacrificial love for us in Christ, we can have eternal life instead of eternal death. So this, this again, is love in high definition. And so once we accept Jesus' love and, um, and the fact that he sacrificed for us, he gives us the power to love others with, with the same kind of love. It's like um, Jesus has made uh, a really deep well of love that we can draw from when we, lo- when we interact with others because on our own, you know, our attempts to love people can, you know, go awry pretty quickly. Even, you know, even looking at some of those definitions, those are strategies that we choose. Um, but when we surrender our life to Jesus Christ, he, he allows us to, to dip from that well and to love other people in the way that he's loved us. And so this, again, this uh, fourth definition, unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for the good of another is probably, this is where Webster probably gets it closest. Uh, it doesn't fully nail um, the, the highest definition, but it is close. And so... <clears throat> As we look at uh, 1 Corinthians 13 over the next few weeks, some of the aspects that we'll be covering of love, um, some of the aspects are that love is sacrificial, um, it, which basically means that I give my time, I, I'll, I'll spend time on people, or, or I'll give money towards people, and, and really it's, it's for the best interest of others, and that happens regardless of my feelings, and so that's how you can sacrifice for others, even when you don't necessarily feel like doing those things, um, and that's really what Jesus did for us. Love means sacrificing your own comfort and convenience for someone else's benefit. Um, love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. You may have heard that before. Um, and, and really, it's because God commands us to love. God wouldn't command us to do something that we didn't, wouldn't have the ability to respond in obedience to do. And so, Because you can't command emotions. You can't, you know, just like be sad or be happy. Um, you can try to work towards those things. But love is actually something we can choose to do. And a lot of time people talk about falling in love, like you fall into a ditch on the side of the road, like there's nothing you can do, like, yeah. <laughs> but really you choose. It would be more like you like intentionally jump into the ditch, if it, <laughs> something like that. So we need God's help to do this, to love other people. And because uh, a lot of times we don't necessarily feel like it. And that's where faith comes in, because we can trust God to supply the love that we need for others, um, especially if we ask him to help us with that. And, and those are prayers that he answers. Uh, love is also a verb. Uh, it's something that you do. In the verses that we read, you know, you see some actions taken that, that God gave, uh, that Jesus laid down his life. Those are actions. And every day, uh, God gives us opportunities to love others and to grow in this, act, you know, taking steps of action to loving others. Uh, love is also a commitment. Um, it means that you don't give up on people. Sometimes that seems like the natural thing to do, but um, we can't, you know, love doesn't write people off as hopeless. Um, sometimes, you know, you need to draw boundaries on certain relationships if there are people that keep hurting you or violating trust, but still even that is done out of love and out of a long-term desire to be able to re- relate to those people in a healthy and loving way. Um, and that, that, again, is something that we need to faith for. We need God's help to, to navigate those kinds of relationships. So this is what matters most to God. This, this whole area, this idea of love, this is what matters most. And um, especially, you know, as faith expressing itself through love to other people. 
So First um, Corinthians 13 is, you know, known as the love chapter. A lot of people, you know, may have this read at their weddings. Maybe you had it read at your wedding. Um, it, and really what it does is it paints a really clear picture of, of love and different aspects of it and, and practically how we can experience it in life. And so I'm going to read it, and then we'll, I'm going to take it apart just a little bit, at least the first three verses. So 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. I'm going to look at these three verses in a minute. And then the the next set of verses, 4 through 7, will be looked at much more specifically in the coming weeks. Um, Some of the aspects, you know, love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. We'll see that love is really in opposition to envy. Uh, It's not arrogant or rude. Uh, Love has a secret ingredient that we'll describe that you'll have to come back to find out about. Um, It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. We're going to look at the way that love um, has a close relationship to honor, and we'll kind of see how those interact. Uh, It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, and that really allows uh, there to be freedom in relationships, Um, but rejoices with the truth, and that's where you see truth coming out. Truth is not just a noun, but a verb. We'll look at that. Uh, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So this chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, is sandwiched. In be- if you've ever read through um, you know, this book, then you know that it's, it's in between two chapters that are based on um, instructions on how the church should interact as a team and work together in unity. And the backdrop is, is that uh, chapters 12 and 14 talk about gifts that, are, that God gives to the church. Really, he gives them to people that are in the church in order for them to, to use those gifts to help others. Um, to help others grow and to help the mission of the church. And basically what was happening is there were some problems being addressed in this, in this letter. And people, you know, just, just like anytime people get in groups, anytime you have people, more than one person together, you know, it's natural to compete and to compare and just kind of look to see, you know, who's, who's got what going on or how can you elevate your, you know, position of leadership or um, who's got the most stuff, who's got like the newest stuff. And most that, and so we compete in this way. And so what was happening in the first churches is they were, um, you know, using these these um, gifts to to compete in that way and uh, elevate themselves above others. And um, it, for example, if some, if God gave someone a, a gift of teaching that, that made them a very good teacher or able to explain things well, then that person would see teaching as the most important thing and uh, elevate themselves, and it would cause a lot of conflict in the church. It was causing a lot of problems. And so people were jealous of the gifts and talents that God gave to other people. And um, basically, the, relationship, the relational status in the church was probably pretty miserable as a result. And so um, that's really, that's how it is. You know, today, whenever there's, you know, you get together with somebody or more than, you got two or three people in a room at least, then there, there's potential for an explosion of conflict, you know, depending on how things go or how people interact. And so, you know, you wonder, like, I'll just be by myself. But really... You know, life would be a real dud to live by yourself, and relationships are really what make life sweet. So, 
1 Corinthians 12, before it goes into you know, the love chapter, it ends with, um, Paul says, let me show you a more excellent way. And he describes love. So if you've ever, if you've decided to follow Christ, and God wants you to use your gifts and your talents, and basically everything you have to love others. Um, life isn't enjoyable because of our accomplishments, uh, the things that we have, or, you know, if, if you have some certificates or diplomas on the wall, and you think about everything that you've achieved and accomplished, you don't, you're not necessarily that fulfilled just by, like, sitting at the wall and just, like, looking at your name and all those things. Life is way more fulfilling and enjoyable when you're interacting with people and, and doing things together. And so uh, it, that's really when you give and receive love with, with others. So, and you are loved, we are all loved by the God of the universe. And if we connect with God through Jesus Christ, we have his love to extend to other people. Because he really wants his love to fuel everything we do. He, he hasn't basically commanded us to love and, and expected us to conjure it up on our own and figure out the best way to do it. He, he supplies the love that we need for other people. It's kind of like if you put the wrong kind of fuel in your car, like if water got in your gas tank, and you try to drive that, you know, the engine could sputter, you know, it might lurch forward, or you might actually just like damage the engine altogether. Um, it's the wrong kind of fuel. It's not what's supposed to go in there. And it's the same with our relationships. The way, the thing that's supposed to fuel our interaction with other people is God's love. And that, it's that way, it's, he supplies that to us. Um, so 1 Corinthians 13, this is the first verse here, says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. Um, if we want to be impressive and get all the attention, um, people just, you don't, you don't naturally trust the kind of person that's just trying to get attention for themselves. Um, and even the wrong, e- even if you have the wrong motive, but you're saying the right things to people, um, that can cause a lot of damage. You know, it's, not, it's actually sometimes pretty easy to tell if someone is saying all the right stuff to you, but you can tell that there's some sort of like ulterior motive. Um, that their trust cannot be formed in that kind of relationship, and, and damage will occur. And so basically, if um, what, what, if love isn't supplying basically your your words and the way that you speak with people, then it's just noise. And that's basically all it's good for. Uh, the second verse is, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Um, I could have a tremendous amount of Bible knowledge. I, you know, if someone could go to years of seminary and, and have read through tons of commentaries and really gotten a good grip on scriptural concepts and ideas and know a lot about, you know, other things in the world like stocks or, you know, how to like build stuff and all, all that, all that knowledge can, you know, basically amount to nothing if at the same person, you know, you're not showing kindness or grace to the people, you know, your family members or your friends. Um, even, even if all you have is a tremendous amount of Bible knowledge, if love isn't, you know, undergirding your relationships, then it's, you know, this verse says it's meaningless. Uh, and then the third verse says, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So I could, I could be generous with my money and, and give to people that, that I know, or even people I don't know. I could um, be, sacrifice a lot of time for people. But if there's strings attached while I do that, and you know, I have different motives underneath that, then it's, it's not, that's not coming from love for them. And then that's going to be a worthless effort as well. So we all have mixed motives according to the Bible. Um, and, and, and it's true, we can't, you know, when we're interacting, can't necessarily have like perfect motives behind everything you do and be completely selfless. But 
that. The idea is that love is what keeps our motives in check. And so you can reference, um, you know, the loving way when you're evaluating your motives. So you can think, you know, ask yourself, how are my relationships today? Uh, is there friction uh, with maybe your spouse? Uh, is communication broken down with a friend that you, kn- that you knew, but things are not really like all that stable in that relationship? Or um, are your kids more of a frustration than they are a joy? And you, you can ask yourself, what has been the motive behind your actions in those relationships? Has it been love or has it been self-interest? <clears throat> um, and you can ask God to show you if there's any major patterns of selfishness as you relate to those around you. Uh, because acting out of selfishness over time causes the relationships to die. And so, um, on the other hand, if, if love is fueling our efforts, then life is really enriched. You can ask God to show you again the patterns where... Um, love is not your primary motivation in certain relationships. So you can ask for his guidance and, and basically shifting from interacting um, in a, from a self-interest standpoint to a sacrificial love standpoint. And you can do that by moving from, one, one way is to move from expecting to be served to serving others instead. Expectations really kill relationships. Um, when you get up in the morning, you get ready for the day, you can. Uh, look, look around the house and see if there's any needs that y- you can meet that maybe you don't normally do or if you get to work, you can look around and see if there's some way that you can help some a coworker or a boss with their to-do list. Um, and basically, if you if you take initiative to serve others instead of expecting to be served, it really changes the flavor of your relationships. It makes them a lot sweeter. Uh, another thing you could do is to move from wanting to be understood to understanding others. We definitely have a strong desire to be understood, and like you know, when people are communicating, for people to know where we're coming from. But if you're in the middle of a conflict or a disagreement, it, it, it could even you know, be going on now. Uh, try to decide to look at the situation from their standpoint. From trying to understand, if you try to understand what, you know, their angle on it, uh, it will build a bridge there, and it actually moves your heart in the right direction towards them. Um, another thing you could do is move from praising your own actions and motives to encouraging those around you. So maybe if you're going you know, to hang out with a friend or getting lunch with somebody, Maybe before you do that, think through how can you encourage that person, or what can you, you know, is there something you can say to build them up or show appreciation for their friendship? Um, these are this is just a few different ideas, and the list could really go on. Uh, but what I- I- interacting in, in these ways means that we have the ability to make our <clears throat> to be life draining or life giving in the way we interact with others. And Jesus says that life is better when relationships thrive, and we set ourselves to give our life away to those around us. Um, so just imagine how much sweeter your, your family relationships or your friendships could be um, if we just chose one of these things and applied it this next week. Um, you can go down a little bit more. Uh, and that's really how Jesus lived. Uh, he, he gave us the, really the perfect example uh, of sacrificial love. And 2,000 years later, people are still, millions of people still follow him. And his impact continues to change the world in, in many of our lives. Uh, especially as Christ followers decide to take the mission of love to the world. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up to the stage. And uh, you can think through some different next steps you might take in response. You can pull out that connection card. And on the back there's an area, you can mark some next steps. Uh, One thing you could do is to memorize 1 John 3.16. This really is a good summary. And it's really good motivation for us to keep in perspective when we're trying to take these steps. You know, by this we know love, and that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. 
another next step you could do is to identify one relationship where selfishness has ruled over love. Maybe something has come to mind. Uh, there may be some conflicts in a relationship that you're thinking of. And um, ask God for help and think through one of the ways that you can um, choose to take a step of sacrificial love towards that person. So uh, in a moment, you can, we're going to prepare to receive the, this morning's tithes and offerings. And um, I'm going to pray to conclude the message, and uh, we'll continue with the worship song in a moment. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word that guides us and gives us everything that we need to know. And I thank you for the description of love that you've given us. And um, just that even though it's not the natural way for us to interact if we follow our impulses, that we can choose a better way and really experience relationships that thrive. pray that you help us this week to each to identify relationships that we can do that and um, that your love would supply our actions. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.